0: Learn more at marines.com. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from ACAST. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. The Two Footed Podcast is brought to you by eplindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from, while keeping your data safe. So as an example, if you are a UK expat and want access to BBC iPlayer to watch Match of the Day or ITV Hub or all four, but you get that message that says this content is not available in your location, a Liberty Shield VPN gets you around that block, allows you to watch whatever you want on those services while also keeping your data safe. And it goes further than that. It allows you to open up Netflix's entire library by just changing your IP address. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot with five star ratings across the board. So go to libertyshield.com right now, use the code EPL25 and get either the hardware package or the software package. The hardware package is a router that you plug into your existing router. And any item you want to change the IP address on, be it your phone or your television, you connect that to the new Liberty Shield router. All other items can remain connected to your existing router. There's also a software package, which is instantly downloadable to your device, and you can get using straight away. Again, libertyshield.com, EPL25 for 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 for 10% off at checkout. And lastly, do remember to check out a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. That podcast is on this feed before every Premier League match week. And then the EPL Roundtable, hosted by Kevin DeVries, on its own EPL Roundtable feed. So just search EPL Roundtable in your podcast device. And that's out after every match week. Now, on with the show. Good Boys and Girls Two-Footed Podcast on Monday, the 29th of May. The 2022-23 Premier League season is over. May God have mercy on its soul. It was not one to be remembered. Before we get to the weekend's Premier League games, we will start Saturday with the Championship Playoff Final. Coventry City won, Town won. Luton promoted after a penalty shootout. Jordan Clark put Luton one up on 23 minutes after, frankly, brilliant work by Adebayo down the left. Made Kyle McFadden look dreadful. Set it up on the plate, and Clark finished very, very well. On 66 minutes, Victor. Jokeres is apparently the correct pronunciation. I've been calling him Jokeres the whole time. Jokeres picks the ball up on the left, beats his man, sets up a squared chance into the middle, and Gustavo Hammer runs on and finishes brilliantly. 1-1. Hammer would get injured shortly after, and that kind of changed the complexion of the game. But this is a weird game anyway. In the first half, Luton looked... Unbelievably effective, and I think they had two goals disallowed in the first half. Definitely one. Did they have a second one? I think they might have had a second one. Either way, they definitely had one disallowed in the first half. But they bombarded Coventry, they bullied them. The two boys up front, Adebayo and Morris, were excellent, ran the channels, bought for every single scrap, dominated the back three of Coventry in the air, McNally, McFadzian and Doyle, just bullied them. Nakamba, Ruddock and Clark overran them in midfield. Drama and Alfie Dowdy provided depth and quality width out wide. There was a very scary moment. Before we get into much more, there was a very scary moment in the first half. 12 minutes in, Tom Lockyer, the Luton captain, came out for a challenge, seemed to lose his balance or get dizzy, spun and collapsed and had to be brought to hospital and was had to undergo tests. Now, it turns out he's okay, but it was quite a scary moment because there was no contact. It didn't look like he took a knock or anything. So he had to go off and Rhys Burke had to come on. That was a huge blow for Luton, losing their captain, losing one of the most experienced players. But credit to Rhys Burke. He was excellent when he came on. First half, all Luton. And they looked like they were going to blow Coventry away. Second half was the complete opposite. Coventry made a change at halftime. They took off Jamie Allen. They brought Mark uh, Matt Godden on. and They went two up front rather than one up and one off. And they just looked so much better. And they were the better team for the entirety of the second half. And for large portions of extra time, they were the better team as well. But then Luton thought they'd won it. Jonathan Panza would come on for Callum Doyle, who had just run himself into the ground in that left-side centre-back role, trying to get forward as well to support attacks and different things. Panzo comes on. And this is what happens when you play a a heavily right-footed dominant player on the left side of a back three. He got the ball. He wasn't comfortable enough to play the pass on his left foot. He waited for a pass that would allow him to use his right foot. He miscontrolled the ball. And Joe Taylor burst onto it, bundled the ball past Panzo, and finished past Ben Wilson. And it looked like Luton had won it. There was about four minutes left at that point. It looked like Luton had won it. But the replay showed, as it bounced up from the challenge of, of uh, Taylor on Panzo, it actually struck Taylor on the hand. The goal was ruled out. We went to penalties. Carlton Morris scores. Luton win both the toss for which end to play to and who goes first. Dan Potts, who'd come off the bench, was the captain with Lockyer off the field. And he won both tosses and Luton went first. So Carlton Morris stepped up and he scored. Matt Godden stepped up and he scored. Joe Taylor scored. Yacarez scored. Nakamba scored. Sheaf scored. Clark scored. Eccles scored. Berry scored. Kelly scored. Potts scored. All 11 were excellent penalties. And then Fancati Dabble stepped up and he looked like he was about to soil himself as he walked towards the ball. Didn't look comfortable, didn't look com- uh, confident and skied it over the bar. And Luton Town are now a Premier League club. Luton Town, who nine years ago were playing non-league football, who were the last club relegated from the old first division before it became the Premier League the next season, who never got to experience the Premier League, that they were part of the group that crafted it. They were one of the teams involved in the planning of the Premier League. And they've never gotten to be part of it, but next season they will be. And Kenilworth Road, which holds a bit of... 10,500 people, is unique, I think, anywhere in the world for how small and tight and cramped it is, for how you get into the away end, for the fact that you basically have to go through someone's kitchen to get in (laughs) Luton Town or a Premier League team. Now, I've seen a lot of commentary around... Oh, Luton's far right, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And certainly Luton the place has given us some really reprehensible characters. Uh Andrew Tate is from Luton. Um, Tommy Robinson or Stephen Yaxley Lennon to give him his actual name. He I don't know if he's from Luton, he certainly lived in Luton for a long time before he got scared and ran away. Um Luton as a place can be a little bit moody. I will say that. But generally, most of the people I ever met when I went to Luton were, were good people. And uh, there's a diverse community there. And the club itself, I, I would have no gripe with, no complaints about. I think what they've done over the last nine years is incredible. And if you're Wrexham or Notts County, who've just been promoted out of the National League into what's now League Two, I think you've got a blueprint there. You know, look at this club. Nine years, eight years from promotion. They've been able to do it. Why can't we do it? Uh, Notts County, by the way, were the team relegated just below Luton in that last season of the old Division 1. West Ham went bottom, Notts County 21st, and Luton 20th, they were relegated on the final day. For those that don't remember, Leeds won the title, Manchester United 2nd, Sheffield Wednesday 3rd, Arsenal 4th, Man City 5th. Liverpool six. Aston Villa, Nottingham Forest, Sheffield United, Crystal Palace, Queen's Park Rangers, Everton, Wimbledon, uh, that would be the club that is now MK Dons, not AFC Wimbledon. Chelsea, Tottenham, Southampton, Oldham Athletic, another club lost to non-league. Norwich Coventry, funnily enough, stayed up on that final day. Coventry lost. If Luton had won, Luton would have stayed up, but Luton lost as well, so they went down instead. Uh, Notts County and, and West Ham. Um, a season in which Ian Wright was the top scorer for tw- with 29 goals. He moved to Arsenal midway through that season. Uh, Gary Lineker scored 28 for Spurs. Fashionu, David, John Fashionu, that is, not Justin. John Fashionu, David Hurst, Brian McClaren, David White with 18. David White was a very good player. David Hurst was a great front man. He was... He's probably my favourite sort of mid-table striker from back at that point. He was just a goal machine for for them. When he was fit, he was incredible. Um, Mark Bright, the other Half of the right and bright combination with 17. Lee Chapman at 16. Peter Beardsley for Everton with 15. And Robbie Earle with 14 from midfield, which was very, very impressive back then. So if you're looking at Robbie Earle sitting in a TV studio, talking absolute bobbins with Robbie Musto and wondering why is this for there? He was actually a really good player back in the day. Um, random players to score hat-tricks that season. Carlton Palmer. Uh, Dennis Bailey, Darren Beckford, Gordon Jury probably best known for his time at Rangers, Graham Sharp, for and Paul Merson, and Frank McAvaney. Some people will have never seen any of those lads play, and will only know them from their time on Sky. But they could play back in the day. Paul Merson was Paul Merson was one of the most talented players of his generation. He was absolutely outstanding. But um, yeah, I've gone down a rabbit hole here that I didn't mean to go down. Anyway, congrats to Luton. Now I must start researching them. What I will say is based on what I saw at the weekend, I think they need a lot this summer. A lot. Potentially as many as seven new starters and eight when we include Cody Drama, who they don't own. Now, maybe they will get to keep him. Maybe they'll buy him from Leeds, given they've come up and what happened to Leeds. So we'll see. Uh, Commiserations to Coventry. Um, I'd love to say they'd go again next season, but when you look at that starting 11, they don't own Luke McNally. He's in on loan from Burnley. Chances are they could get him back on loan again. Callum Doyle, Man City player. I don't think he'll have another loan in the championship. I think he might go to a Premier League club for next season. Uh, Norton Cuffey, the right wing back, who's actually a right winger. Um, Maybe, maybe they could get him in on loan again. But they will lose Gustavo Hammer. I think he'll get a, a move to the continent. Don't think he'll get a Premier League move. But I think he'll get a move to the continent and Jacques is definitely leaving. There is not a chance they're keeping him, but I think they will get big money. If we consider what Ollie Watkins went for when Villa bought him, uh, 28 million potentially rising to 33 million based off three seasons in the championship, I think Yakarez goes for more than that. I think he could go for 35. Now, that would be great for Coventry if they could put that money back in to the team. But the two seasons he's just put together in the championship are incredible. Funnily enough, I've always said I'd love to see Ivan Tony and Ollie Watkins play together. I'd actually like to see Ivan Tony and Yokarez play together as well. He doesn't have Watkins' pace, but he plays a similar game to Watkins'. And I'd be in favour of seeing him go to a club like Brentford. Now, Brentford could buy him in the knowledge that Tony probably leaves next summer, but they could play together for a year. Um, he had a great season. He really did have a great season. And there will be multiple, multiple championship or multiple Premier League clubs looking to snap him up. And it wouldn't surprise me if there's also top teams from other leagues to take a look at him. But not only did he score 21 goals, finishing as the second top scorer in the league, he also got 12 assists, finishing as the top assister in the league. So that's very, very impressive. Um, Right, Premier League, we had 10 games. Do I need to go through all of them? I probably do. Aston Villa 2, Brighton 1. Douglas Luiz opened the scoring on 8 minutes. Dennis Undav had a goal disallowed after Nciso had been offside in the build-up. Ollie Watkins made a 2 on 26, and then Undav got one back on 38, and the game just kind of played out from there. Uh, two assists in the game for Jacob Ramsey. I do think Villa's second goal probably should have been disallowed because... John McGinn fouled not one but two Brighton players. Um, he hacked through McAllister, and then, in my view, he fouled. Was it Webster or was it Van Heck at that point? Webster had gone off. It was Webster. It was Webster. Was still on at that point. Um. Yeah, in my view, he fouled both of them. No. Take nothing nothing away from Ramsey. His partner is brilliant. And the ball through to Ramsey was outstanding. Probably the best pass I've ever seen Leon Bailey play. But I do think it should have been pulled back for one of the two McGinn fouls. So with that win, Villa secure seventh spot and secure Europa Conference League football for next season. 61 points, easily their best Premier League season since coming up. You would hope that this summer now they'll go and they'll build on that. I think we've seen Unai Emery do an excellent job there so far. We've seen these owners being willing to back managers. They back Dean Smith heavily. They back Gerrard. And I do believe that given Emery is multiple, multiple levels ahead of both of those I do believe they'll back him as well. Um, after a disastrous first 11 games, this has been a great season for Villa. Really has. 52 points from 30, 27 games under Emery. That's that's very impressive. Very. That's not even 32. He didn't have 27 games. He had 25 games. Because... There was a caretaker manager in between. He won one of the games. So it's 49 points from 25 games under Emery, I think, which is top four form across 25 games. What a turnaround because they looked relegation bound under Gerrard. Uh, For Brighton, they had secured sixth before the game. They will be in the Europa League next season. And it just remains to be seen what parts of their team get plucked off. It's almost certain that McAllister will leave. De Zerbe said he thinks Kayseda will leave. And there might be one or two others. Like Levi Cole will will probably go back to Chelsea now that his loan is over. But he's kind of made it known that he'd like to stay where he is. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what Brighton look like as the summer progresses. We'll be delving into all of these things over the summer. Uh, Brighton won Bournemouth nil. Abdoulaye Ducouré with the only goal of the game. Everton knew they needed to win and they were staying up. For about 25 minutes plus the halftime interval, they were going down as Leicester led against West Ham. But an outstanding volley from Ducouré from the edge of the box. Gave them the 1-0 win that they needed. Uh, Bournemouth had one job and couldn't get it done. The fans came on to the pitch after the game and then they started to protest and they were right to protest. Uh, What's gone on at Everton is a disgrace. The way the club is run is shambolic. They are on the precipice of financial ruin, really. They're building a stadium they can't actually afford. And they're also facing charges from the Premier League regarding... Um breaking the financial fair play rules. Now, the problem here is if they're given a points deduction to start next season, which seems likely, Leicester would have every right to sue the Premier League and sue Everton, and so would Leeds, but Leicester more so because Everton have cheated to stay in the division. They have broken the rules. They have not just broken them. They have demolished the rules, and they've done it knowingly And this is after the Premier League allowed them to write off comical amounts as COVID-related losses, even though everybody knew they didn't lose nearly as much money as they claimed. And yet they've still way outspent what was allowed. And they've done it to finish 16th last year and 17th this year. What a shambles. Uh, For Bournemouth, they had nothing to play for. They finished the season in 15th place. They lose four in a row to end the season, but they won't care. Safety was all that mattered. They managed to get safe. They've got some work to do this summer, but congrats to them. Congrats to them, because I wrote them off early in the season, probably before the season. And uh, they overcame the odds and stayed up. Moving on. Leeds won Tottenham 4. Uh, Harry Kane on 2 minutes. Pedro Poro on 47. Jack Harrison got one back on 67. But Harry Kane made it 3 on 69. And Lucas Moura in his final appearance for Spurs. Put the icing on the cake on 95 minutes. As soon as I saw the Leeds lineup, I wanted them relegated without having to play the game. They lined up at home in a must-win game, a game where nothing else other than a win and hoping for the best was going to be enough, they lined up with an 11 that comprised a goalkeeper, two right-backs, four centre-backs, two defensive midfielders, a winger and an attacking midfielder, and no forward player. They played Pascal Strych Not as a wing-back in a five, as a full-back in a five. They played a flat-back five. A flat-back five with three lads sat in front of them. Harrison allowed a little bit more attacking impetus down the left than McKenney was down the right. And Rodrigo up front all by his lonesome. And they got walloped. And they deserved to get walloped. And Big Sam was brought back in to save them and took one point from four games. And teams should stop employing Big Sam because he's shit. He is awful. His time came years and years ago. But unless he can buy his way out of trouble, he can't get your team out of trouble. And unless your team's already out of trouble, they're probably going down if you point him. That should be the last time anyone considers Big Sam. And I've seen some people say, oh, well, Leeds and Southampton went down because they bought too many young players. That's not why they went down. Both teams went down for the same three reasons. Number one, they made bad decisions with managers. For Southampton, it was Nathan Jones and Ruben Seles. For Leeds, it was Javi Gracia and this idiot. Number two, their senior players let them down routinely across the course of the season. The senior players, not the young players, the senior players let them down. And number three, they just didn't score enough goals. Just didn't have anyone that could score a goal. Leeds scored 48 goals, but didn't have Bamford, didn't have reliable sources of goals when they needed it. Southampton only scored 36 If they'd had goal scorers, they would have stayed up, but they didn't. So, unfortunately for Leeds, after three years, it's back to the championship you go. I do think Leeds and Southampton are both well set to go down and come back up, and I'll get into that tomorrow. I've been through Southampton's squad and what I'd like to see them do. I'll do Leeds tomorrow, and I'll do Leicester tomorrow as well. We'll get to them in a second, but... Leeds have nobody to blame, only themselves. Brentford won, Man City nil. I said Brentford play City well. Ethan Pennock with the only goal in 85 minutes. City very clearly didn't care about the game. I mean, look at the team that they sent out. Ederson, Walker, Laporte, Aki as a back three. That's fair enough. Rico Lewis and Calvin Phillips as a midfield pairing. Riyad Maris, Cole Palmer, Phil Foden. And Sergio Gomez as the three behind Julian Alvarez. Uh, Shea Charles, the only player introduced off the bench. Very, very talented young player is Shea Charles. Northern Irish, international, definitely one to keep an eye on. But it was very clear that Man City didn't care in the slightest about that game. Good win for Brentford. I do wonder if Villa and Spurs had lost and Brentford had won and Brentford had gotten into Europe on the base of that win, because that's what all they could do was win and hope that the other two lost or that they drew, uh, which would have been enough. But if that had happened and they'd gotten in, would Spurs or Villa have filed a complaint against City for playing a weakened team? Because we've seen that happen before where teams get punished for rotating too many players. Um, you know, not, not taking the competition, compromising the integrity of the competition, I believe is what they actually call it. It mattered not. Uh, 1-0. Congrats to Brentford. Great season. They finished ninth. They only finished three points out of sixth. Three points out of sixth. They finished with a better goal difference than both Villa and Tottenham. They only lost nine games all season. Liverpool, Manchester United both lost nine. Newcastle, Arsenal and City all lost less. So only three teams lost less than them all season. It's a fair effort. effort. Uh, Just too many draws, 14 draws. Otherwise, they could have gotten Europe. But for Thomas Frank, I mean, that's an outstanding job. In, In your second season, very, very impressive uh moving on Manchester United 2-1 uh Kenny Tete put uh, put Fulham one up on 19 minutes Sancho on 39 and Bruno Fernandes on 55 gave United a win a win that didn't really matter but they did finish third in the end uh they finished season of four wins in a row so they'll go into the summer confident Erik ten Hag was crying about having not having had any investment Um, despite having spent £250 since taking over. So, um, yeah, the best of luck to you, buddy. Um, For Fulham, they finished 10th. Top half finish in your first season back in the league. You have to be happy with that. They can't really have any complaints at all. Uh, Chelsea won. Newcastle won. Anthony Gordon put Newcastle one up on nine minutes. Uh, Kieran, Kieran Tripp, your own goal. On 27th, I feel like that's the second or third own goal he scored in the last while. Um, didn't he get an own goal against Leeds? Christensen shot hit him in the forehead and bounced in. Yeah, I think so. Um, I'm I have to check that now because it'll bother me otherwise. I think, I think I'm think i right in that. Uh, it was given to Christensen, but I'm that was an own goal. Um, yeah, look, Newcastle didn't need anything from the game, but they went and they got a point anyway. Seventy-one points is a very good return on the season for the Toon. Uh for Chelsea, they finished twelfth. It is a season of, of great embarrassment. Frank Lampard proved that he is one of the worst managers that the Premier League has ever seen. And yet he says he wants another job. Someone someone close to him needs to sit him down and have a heart to heart. They need to sit him down and say, Look, Frank. Uh, not to hurt your feelings or anything, you're a very, very, very good player. But as a manager, you're absolutely dreadful. You're absolutely awful. This is not for you. Go and get a job with Sky or BT and do that whole thing. But this management gig is not for you. Um, Moving on. Leicester City 2 West Ham won. Leicester knew they needed to win and hoped that Everton didn't win. They did their part and unfortunately it just wasn't enough. Harvey Barons put them one up on 34 minutes. Woodface made it two on 62. Pablo Fernald pulled them back on 79, but in the end it was all meaningless. And Leicester go down. And Leicester go down as the most expensively assembled squad ever relegated from the Premier League. Huge mistakes mostly by Brendan Club Clubbing quite a substantial amount of debt it must be said. The highest wage bill in the league outside of the top six. The big six, rather, because it's higher than Newcastle's. I wouldn't imagine many, if any, of that squad have relegation release clauses. There's a whole bunch of players out of contract this summer. They need a cultural reset. They need a, a massive overhaul a massive overhaul of their squad. And when you look at the players likely to leave, I don't know what's left over, but we'll go through it this week. They won the Premier League seven years ago. Seven years ago. I said in the summer... When Kasper Michael was allowed to leave and he wasn't replaced, this looks like something strange is going on. Something very strange went on. Very, very strange. A shambolic performance by Brendan Rogers. Did he win the FA Cup What? Three years ago? Two years ago? Awful. Dean Smith was the wrong appointment. He can't be left in charge. They have to change manager now and go and get a real manager to rebuild. Because this is a rebuild. This is a big rebuild. I don't think Leicester are going to come straight back up. I think this is two years. But we'll get into it later in the week. Um, Arsenal 5, Wolves nil. 0. Two for Xhaka, one for Saka. One for Jesus and one for Jakob Kiewerr. Thomas Partey had a goal disallowed, and Granit Xhaka missed a sitter for his hat-trick. Uh, Wolves just didn't look big. They were all that arsed, and why would they be? Uh, they were safe. They finished 13th. Arsenal finished second. They finished five points behind City. That suggests it was closer than it was. It wasn't close. City won the league fairly comfortably without ever really having to get into top gear. Uh, Where are we next? Southampton 4, Liverpool 4. You know when you see paintings where people dip a brush in paint and then throw the paint, like flick the brush and throw the paint at the wall and it all becomes a bit mad? That was basically this game. Uh, Liverpool went 2-0 up through Jota and Firmino. Southampton equalized through Ward-Prowse and Said Southampton went 4-2 up through Suleimana and Adam Armstrong and then Liverpool equalized through Gakbo and Jota and I just don't care to talk about Liverpool anymore. They finished 5th and that's what they deserve. Southampton finished bottom. Um we've talked about them and what they need to do but we'll talk about them some more I'm assuming over the summer. Um That's a shame that Southampton are gone because they are a club I like. But on the balance of what went on this season, they deserve to go down. And for appointing Nathan Jones, they deserve to go down. My favourite thing about Luton coming up is that he left them for Southampton. He is one of the biggest reasons Southampton are going down. And his departure is one of the biggest reasons Luton are coming up. In their run up through the division's, he walked out on them twice. They got promoted both seasons and he got sacked quite quickly in both new jobs. Strangely, both of whom wore red and white stripes. I wonder, does he want the Sunderland job next? Who else wears red and white? Athletic Bilbao? Maybe Nathan Jones could rock up there and tell them all how great he is? Teams who wear red and White stripes. Um, let's see. Let's find Nathan Jones. Uh, his next job. I think that's. I think that's fair. He's had Stoke. He flopped. He's had Southampton. He flopped. Uh, Derry City could manage them. Let's see. Uh, Brentford, of course. Don't think don't think they'll have any interest in him. Doncaster Rovers, that's about his level. That could work. Lincoln City. Well they got promoted this year. They're not changing manager. Rotherham, red with a white pinstripe, that might do. Sheffield United, of course. They've been promoted They're not appointing them. Yeah, there's, some, there's some options there. There's some options there for Nathan. Don't think he'd go to Bilbao because I don't think he could do the heat. Welsh people tend to melt when it gets too warm. Um, finally then, Crystal Palace won Nottingham Forest won. Teo Awani put Forest one up in the first half. Will Hughes equalised in the second half, and that was all she wrote. And those two teams had nothing to play for going into the game. So it didn't really matter to either of them. Crystal Palace finished 11th. Forest finished 16th. The final table, Man City top. Arsenal second. United third. Newcastle fourth. Liverpool fifth. Brighton sixth. Villa seventh. Tottenham eighth. Brentford ninth. Fulham 10th, Crystal Palace 11th, Chelsea 12th, just letting that one sit for a second, Chelsea 12th, Uh, Wolves 13th, West Ham 14th, Bournemouth 15th, Nottingham Forest 16th, Everton 17th, Leicester 18th, Leeds 19th and Southampton 20th. Leicester, Leeds and Southampton, all relegated to be replaced by Burnley, Sheffield United and Lutontown, madness. Right, we'll take a break. When we come back, we've got some news. We've got a quick laugh at Gareth Crooks, of course. And we've got the gossip, so I'll see you in a sec. Right, welcome back. So, before we go to our big news of the day, uh, just one thing from a little piece on the BBC website about Leicester City going down. There's a line in here. When he left the club to go on holiday last summer, Rodgers provided the decision makers with a list of players he wanted to sell, which included Nampali's Mendy and Ayosi Perez. That's the Ayosi Perez, by the way, that he forced the club to buy for like 18 million. Um, When Rodgers returned for the start of pre-season, he was stunned to see those he wanted out still at the club. Stunned. Not surprised, not miffed, stunned. As if while he was away, he just thought, well, when I go back, everything will be done and I don't need to worry about it. Those players will all be sold. As if he hadn't been aware of the fact that they hadn't been sold. I think Brendan has been feeding Shamoon Hafez Some lines for this piece. Anyway, the big news of the day is that Maurizio Pochettino has been unveiled as the new Spurs manager. He has signed a two-year contract with an option for a third year. Uh, Chelsea finished 12th this year, their lowest finish for more than 25 years. The club has called Pochettino a world-class coach with an outstanding track record. I would say he's a very good coach with a good track record. Don't think he's got an outstanding track record. Chelsea say Pochettino was the first choice and the only manager who was brought into the club for talks. Those are lies. Those are big lies because Luis Enrique was approached and spoken to, as was Julian Nagelsmann. So those are lies. He will work with sporting directors, Paul Winstanley and Lawrence Stewart. When you have two sporting directors, you don't have any sporting director. You must have one decision maker, not two. Pochettino is the sixth permanent manager of Chelsea in the last five years. Uh, The seventh in total when we include Frank the Tory. Um, Listen, by all accounts... Chelsea is an absolute circus and and getting worse by the day. Uh, Todd Bowley and the other owners are not getting along. Bowley's continued insistence on involving himself in things he knows nothing about is ruffling feathers and causing people to make complaints to the other owners about him. I I, (sighs) I can see why Pochettino only agreed to a two-year deal. And I can see why the club only gave him a two-year deal as well, because giving Potter was it a six-year deal or a five-year deal and having to pay out the whole thing after seven months or however long he lasted is is kind of a once-bitten, twice-shy scenario. But Pochettino's also looked at this and gone, well, Ponte won a league, Then he won the FA Cup and they got rid of him. Sari won the Europa League and finished third and they forced him out. Tuchel won a Champions League and then they sacked him a year later. And Potter got a long term contract, was very highly regarded by everybody and didn't even last a full season. Didn't even get he didn't even start the season, didn't get to finish it. Um so yeah, I think everybody's kind of protecting themselves there. Pochtino's a good manager. He is. He's a good manager and he's a good squad builder. And there's a great group of players there. An outstanding collective of talent. They should only make... Now, I'm including Nkunku as part of the players they already have because that deal's been done since December. They should only make three further signings this summer and no more than that. Goalkeeper, ball winner, goal scorer. Now, if Lukaku... Wants to come back, and Pochettino wants to give him a try. You don't need a goal scorer. You could run it with Lukaku. The guy is good enough. He is great when he's locked in and on form. Ball winner is non-negotiable. Has to be done. Rumors are they're pushing to sign Manuel Ugarte. Goalkeepers got to be addressed. Not a long-term fix. Just someone that will bridge the next three to four years. Emmy Martinez, if he could pluck him out of Aston Villa, would actually be ideal for this. Someone to bridge the gap until Slamina is ready. Mendy needs to go. I'd be looking to move Kepa on as well, given he's, I wouldn't say rebuilt his value because he came in for 73 million. But I think now you'd at least find a club willing to take him in on loan. And I think Kepa has two years left. Pepa has two years left in his deal. If you could loan him with an option to buy for $15 that's probably the best you could do right now. Probably the best you could do. And there would be clubs that would take him because he is a talented goalkeeper. The Premier League just doesn't suit him. He doesn't have the physicality for the Premier League. But he was pretty good this season. For the most part, he was pretty good this season. Now Pochettino's got to go through this squad and figure out who he doesn't want because that's more important than anything else. Who doesn't he want, get rid, get them off the books, not loan, sell. Sell them, trim down that playing squad. You've no reason to have so many players under contract. It's a complete waste of resources. Sell them. That will help solve your FFP issue. There's obviously one or two there that want to leave, including Mason Mount by the looks of it and Levi Caldwell by the looks of it, but we'll see what happens. Uh, Garth Crooks, team of the season. This is magnificent. This is, this is genuinely magnificent stuff. Ederson is his goalkeeper. Ederson hasn't been one of the three best goalkeepers in the league this year. It's not often I ignore the winner of the Golden Glove Award, but on this occasion, I think I must. This season belongs to Everton. Sorry, to Ederson, who has quietly but very effectively played a blinder for Manchester City. He's almost as good with the ball at his feet as he is with it in his hands. That sets him apart from all of the goalkeepers in the world. It is a remarkable pile of shit he's just written there. Ederson wasn't one of the three best keepers in the league. He's gone Kieran Trippier at right back. I don't have an issue with that. I do take issue with Saliba. He wasn't Arsenal's best centre-back, let alone one of the two best centre-backs in the league. I don't have an issue with Diaz. Um, he's picked a Kanji at left-back, which is just laughable. What a season this lad has had. Strong, powerful, and quick. I can't think of three better qualities in a defender. You are a moron. What is amazing about Akanji is he only cost City around 15 million. How is that possible in this day and age? Because A, he's very inconsistent. B, he's very injury prone. And C, he had a year left in his contract. All fairly self-explanatory. Uh, Dortmund were desperate to get rid of him. So, you know, he's a laughable inclusion. Uh, in midfield, De Bruyne, yeah, yeah, I mean, no problem. No problem. Gundogan, fair enough. Casemiro, fell missed seven games just through suspension. Nonsense. Odegaard, no problem. And he's picked Kane and Haaland up front. He's picked a, like a 4-4-2 shape. And I don't have an issue with either of them. I genuinely don't, but... Casemiro's a nonsense inclusion. Gamarish was better. Caicedo was better. Rodri was better. If you just want defensive midfielders. Uh, for a Kanji, Aki was better. Stupinum was better. Zinchenko was better. His three better left backs. Allison was better. Pope was better. And Martinez was better than Ederson. David Rea had a better season than Ederson. So, you know, Gareth, watch a game for once. Like what he's done there is he's had a look at the top four and thought, right, City've won, won the league. So I'm going to force six City players into my team. Arsenal finish second, we'll give them two. United and Newcastle, we'll give them one each. And I'm putting in Harry Kane. Because, well, English bias, Spurs bias. And to be fair, he did have a very, very good season. But still, do everybody a favour, Garth, and just, just retire at this point. How old is Garth Brooks? It must be time for someone to put him out to pasture. He's 65. It's time for him to retire and to go away. To go far, far, far away. He retired as a player at 32. He has been a plague on all of us since 1990. Even when he was still playing, he was still doing punditry, and he was awful at it. If you find clips of the 82 World Cup where he's working as an analyst and the stuff he comes out with is just, oh, dreadful. Overly dreadful. 32 years he's been chatting absolute nonsense. Time for him to just be put out to pasture. Anyway, we'll do the gossip and we'll be done for the day. Real Madrid are set to announce the signing of Jude Bellingham from Borussia Dortmund next week. West Ham and England midfielder Declan Rice Would prefer to join Arsenal with Manchester United, Chelsea, and Bayern Munich also interested. United are yet to meet Chelsea's 55 million valuation of Mason Mount. Um, I believe their valuation is significantly higher than that. Um, I mean, they've been quoting 80 million, but Miguel Delaney says that they are insistent on receiving at least 55 million. Um, Chelsea are looking to sell one of their two first-team goalkeepers with Edward Mendy, the most likely one to leave. Newcastle have sent scouts to watch Dominic Szoboszlai twice in the last fortnight. I, he, Manchester City have set a £35 million asking price for Joao Canseo. To be fair, someone will get a good player. He is a good player. He is a good player, there's no question. He was great for a couple of years. City are prepared to use Canseo... <laughs> In a swap deal for Joshua Kimmich. Right. Uh, Congrats to Joe Kenseo, by the way. Two league title winner winner medals this season. Um, We'll go through the rest of Europe tomorrow. Marco Asensio is set to leave Real Madrid when his deal expires after contract negotiations broke down. Asensio is in advanced talks to join Paris Saint-Germain. Well, sticking to their younger, more French plan, I see. Freiburg and Netherlands goalkeeper Mark Flecken is on the verge of joining Brentford with the Premier League club set to activate his 13 million euro release clause. That's a strange move for me, for Brentford. I just, I don't really understand that one. Uh, Tottenham are leading the race for Brentford and Spain goalkeeper David Rea. Leeds are unlikely to sign West McKenny this summer, you think? Um, If anyone follows Weston McKenney's dad on Twitter, that's a very strange fella. That's all I'll say. West Ham wants Nuno Tavares. Why? David Moyes says he will look at British and homegrown players this summer. With James Ward-Prowse and Harvey Barnes linked, Um, West Ham are just going to continue to wallow in mediocrity. Arsenal's twenty-three-year-old winger Reese Nelson is set to agree a new long-term deal. I'd love to know how much they're overpaying for him. Tottenham are willing to listen for to listen to offers for Ben Davies this summer. I don't imagine they'll get big offers. To be fair, um, Eric Ten Hag wants Marcus Rashford to extend his contract, which runs out at the end of the next season. Real Madrid will sign Jude Bellingham in a deal worth up to. Up to almost 100 million in add-ons. I don't understand what that's meant to mean. Perspective new Chelsea manager Maurizio Pochettino wants to assess Lukaku. Chelsea are close to signing Manuel O'Gardt, but Liverpool are all, also interested. I don't believe anybody's close to signing him. Liverpool have been asked have asked to be kept informed about Ruben Neves. No, they haven't. That's Wayne Visi talking his usual line of trash. Aston Villa, Newcastle, Tottenham and Roma... Good look at Wang Hee-chan. Um, I'm not sure why. He's good. He's not that good. Tottenham are looking at a move for Manor, Sol- Manor Solomon after FIFA said he could leave Shakhtar Donetsk on a free this summer. Um, I think Fulham should keep him. I think he, sh- he should want to stay there as well. I don't really understand why he's allowed leaving on a free. I think it's really shit on Shakhtar, to be totally honest. Arsenal are considering a move for Galatasaray's 22-year-old French defender Sasha Bowie. Uh, Brighton are also linked to him. Arsenal refused to put a clause in Bacayo Osaka, Saka's next contract and gave him a shorter deal than had been expected. Okay. Burnley are monitoring Fabio Carvalho and are open to a permanent or loan move. Um, who wrote this? Wayne Vesey. Shite. Swearing is going to be more necessary moving forward. I'm just telling you that now. Belgium striker Divock Origi is set to leave AC Milan and while clubs in Turkey are interested, he would prefer a return to the Premier League. Brighton are in talks with Livingston's 21-year-old American goalkeeper, Brian Schwecker, while Robert Sanchez is considering his future. His future has been considered and the decision is made. He is off this summer. Andoni Iraola, who was a target for Leeds, is set to leave his role as Rayo Rayo Vallecano coach this summer. I think Leeds should go back and try and get him. Um, Just on Fabio Carvalho, there is a report this morning from David Lynch, who is very reliable, that uh, he might leave on a permanent deal this summer, that he's been told by Klopp he won't be part of the first team picture next season, uh, which is just very poor management. Mm Um, Barcelona want to sign Bruno Gomerich, but it is believed it will take a fee of around 100 million euros to convince Newcastle to sell the 25-year-old. This was written by Duncan Castles, which means it's crap. Real Madrid are considering a move for Roberto Firmino on a free transfer. Uh, Pochettino. Brazil remain hopeful of convincing Carlo Ancelotti to be their next head coach. James Madison is set to lead the exodus after Leicester's relegation from the Premier League. Relegated Leeds will not stand in the way if the right offer comes in for Jack Harrison. Book Jack Harrison to West Ham United right now. Liverpool could sign Sergei Malinkovic-Savage for €26 million. They won't, though. Manchester United's chances of signing Kim Min-J and Victor Osman have been boosted by speculation surrounding the future of Luciano Spalletti. Now, There's no speculation around his future. He's leaving. He's taking a year off. And that will have no impact at all on what Napoli do with Osman. Kim and Jay has a release clause. But Napoli will try and negotiate a new deal for him. Newcastle have also joined the race for Kim. Kim and Botman would be monstrous together. Sheffield United are keeping tabs on Lewis O'Brien of Nottingham Forest who is currently on loan at DC United. I do think he looked a little bit out of his depth in the Premier League, but he only got a handful of games, so it wouldn't be a it wouldn't be a bad move if you get if you can get him cheap or even on loan. Chilly Ford and free agent Alexis Sanchez is keen on a return to the Premier League having played for Arsenal and Manchester United following his spell At Marseille. I genuinely can't think of a single Premier League club who would have any interest in signing Alexis Sanchez. I will also say he's not a free agent this summer. He signed a two-year deal last summer. So unless Marseille have agreed to let him leave for nothing, uh, just to get rid of him, then I just don't see that there's any truth to that at all. Right, that will do. Thank you as always, folks. I will see you tomorrow. We'll go through the other leagues tomorrow, the European leagues, some fairly dramatic ongoings in, or or goings-on, I should say, in... Germany, Uh, we'll have a look at the two clubs that got relegated this weekend and then we'll start to make a plan for the summer. Um, I'm hopeful that we can do some decent end-of-season reviews with a couple of people, but we'll see what happens. Right, take care of yourselves. Goodbye. Podcast Network.